Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. We are in, a, yeah, like Pastor Lisa said, we're in a series called Fear Not. And the heart of this series is not to just look at fear. Uh, the heart of the series is actually to grasp what I believe is God's heart for us, that he would not want us to live in fear. It's not to say that there isn't fear in life. Of course, we all have fears. We see them sometimes every day. Um, we're faced with them in different moments. And so I'm not here to say, and you will not hear in this series, that your fears aren't okay or they're not rational or they're, 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 you should just throw them away and everything's going to be fine. That's not the heart of the series. The heart of the series is, I believe, specifically, can I say this? If you are a Christian here, to really understand and represent that your God says to you, to me, fear not that I'm with you, that I will go with you. And, and, and we're going to unpack that through this book. And you're going to see it as the Israelites face a lot. Because this is that moment for them that they're finally coming to the promised land. And yet, again and again, they're faced with a whole lot of fear. A whole lot of moments they could choose to fear, yet they stay obedient. And so we're going to follow that story a little bit. I do think if you, um, if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen, we posted a video of Sweet Robbie, I don't know where he went, he was leading us today, of going downtown Victoria, talking to people, asking them, what is your biggest fear? Did you see that video? I hope hope you did. It's funny. Like there's a lot of normal fears. And like one person said at the very end, like losing a loved one. I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely. I feel that. Or, or uh, like relationships. One girl said commitment beside her boyfriend. Awkward. Um, but we all have fears, don't we? Like, I'm, there's, like I said, some are a little more funny. Can we just end the debate that snakes are far more scary than spiders? They are. Like, I don't, I, I don't quite understand the fear of spiders. Like I know they're creepy, but can I just remind you, you were like 700 times larger than it. Like you just, done, fear over, you're welcome. Amen, let's pray. Like you can just, I always talk to Trina because she doesn't like spiders. I'm like, just stomp on it. Your heel, just crunch. But a snake, the way it moves, no. Hands up really quick. Snakes, anyone scared of some snakes in here? It's okay, be honest, be vulnerable. This is a good time, let it out. Spiders, spiders and more. Okay, hands shot right up. I see a double hand in the front. There is prayer later. I joke about, about spiders because I have, I we call this an irrational fear, but I don't know why these things scare me. I have a picture that we want to show you, and my wife and I differ on this being scary or not. I don't like roller coasters. I don't know why. They just kind of worry me. They, they, they make me scared. Yeah, some of you have seen this photo. This is a real photo. This wasn't like an act. Like, this was me the whole time. I'm just going to be honest. This is not a good look for me. But I'm here to be honest with you. And I hope, like, this isn't even, you know, this isn't even like an Epcot, like, this is Disneyland. Like, this is like the one that goes around once and that's it. Like, it's fast. But she's in heaven. Like, my wife, Trina, is in heaven. She is so happy right now. And I am, we were in Disneyland recently. And I was, kept going to Georgia, like, it's okay. It's almost over. It's okay. And she literally looked at me at one point. We were in Space Mountain. She goes, Dad, I'm fine. Relax. I'm like, I know you are, but I'm not. <laughs> Like, it's just not, it's not good. 
And some of you are like, you're scared of roller coasters? I'm, yeah, I'm trusting this 18-year-old kid pushing buttons that I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock it. Like, with nothing on except this little seatbelt. And we're all fine with that? You're fine with that? You should learn some fear is what I'm trying, no, I'm just kidding. We all have fears. We really do. And I'm not, again, I'm not here to, to poke fun of them. They are real. Losing a loved one, relationships, never finding someone, being alone, financial, financial crisis, the interest rates are spiking, recession, we hear these words. Health, of course, it's cold and flu season, like whatever it is. For all of us, we face fear. But the point of this series is not to just talk about fear, but again, to unpack that God loves you, that he has actually called you and equipped you to say, listen, fear not, I go with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm beside you. And I do believe, and I, I really mean this, that the heart of God is to help you understand we're not called to live in fear. And I do believe as well, especially in November when, the, when it gets a little gloomier out, a little bit rainy, we find ourselves, some of us may find ourselves even here today trapped by fear. Like even unable to really like experience the fullness of God because we are so trapped by the fears in our life. And we have to ask the question, if fear is real, if God is saying, I know that there's real fear, like do we, just, do we just succumb to them? Do we just find coping mechanisms or medication to deal with it? Like what do we do? Because we know fear is real. In fact, it's in the Bible. This is so clear. This is what Jesus' words, before he goes to the cross, he says this in John 16, 33, a verse I truly believe all of us should have on our hearts. I have told you these things. What he means is that I'm going to go to the cross, that I am going to die. I've told you these things. He's talking to his disciples. So that in me you may have fear, anxiety, worry. No, so that you may have peace. That you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's the words of Jesus. He didn't say there would be no fear. He didn't say that you would never have to deal with trouble or hardship or pain or anything like that. That's not... That is a, a different gospel. That's not God's words. He says this, but take heart. Or another version says, have great courage, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control or a sound mind. That's the New King James Version. I want to believe that as Christians, we, we, we truly can exemplify, and specifically the church, friends, Coastline Church, will look at fear with a new lens. Meaning that, that at the end of the day, our actions, how we look at fear, how we face trial, will actually represent the, the promises of God, which are to fear not, to not be discouraged, for I go with you. It is not our job to perpetuate fear. And I think sometimes we, we will do that. Well, have you seen what's happening over there? Have you seen this? Check out this link. Let me send you something. Are you sure about this? Have you thought about that? Friends, the church's job is not to perpetuate fear. It is not our job to send this article and that thing to help cultivate fear in this world. Our job is to help people understand that there is fear, but we are called to fear not, that God is bigger than our fears. And it sounds Sunday school, but can I be honest? We need this lesson. We need this lesson. Because I think for some of us, we are trapped by our fears. We are paralyzed by things we have no control over, and we don't know how to deal with it. But I love the story of Joshua. 
Enter Joshua here, who, who although is a great leader, and we could look at this story for vision and those pieces, but it's more than that. It's not his leadership that draws me in personally to this story. It's his obedience, his faith in a, in a faithful God, his love and his trust in God the Father. He, he faces fear. You'll see throughout the story as we go in this series. He's, he's put up against all sorts of situations, some that I would not like to be in. And yet he continues to obey whatever God asks him to do. He has such a, like, this unrelenting trust in him. And I'll just say, as before we get into Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, um, one thing, that as an entire generation of Israel, this is important, I think, and we'll get to some of the context and history in a moment, but as an entire generation of Israel who came out of Egypt and then wandered in the desert for a very long time, a lot of them did not enter the promised land. In fact, a generation died in that dry desert. And yet... Some of them got to inherit the promised land. Some got to see what was ahead. And I just want to say as a parallel for us, I wonder how many of us find ourselves wandering dry, full of fear, and unable to just jump into the fullness and the promises of God because fear is holding us back. And I want, this, I want our church to be released of that. Amen? Man. I want to hear these words, and we're going to read them in a second that says, do not be discouraged. I go with you. I want that to be a testimony, something that we testify to all the time, whether we're at work, whether we're talking to our neighbors, whether we're dealing with a financial situation, that God goes with me. I can fear not. I may face something, but I won't face it alone, which we're going to read right here. Page 169 in that blue Bible in front of you. It'll be on the screens behind me. Are you ready to read Joshua? Come on. Are you ready? Joshua 1.1, it says this. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, and that's just so you know, like Joshua was his right-hand man. He was always there. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I walk with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. So really quick, some more background context. The Israelites used to have the land of Canaan, but, but they left it out of famine, and, and Jacob came closer to Egypt because his son Joseph, after his brothers kind of threw him out, actually rose to high prominence, kind of becoming basically second to only Pharaoh. And he had done a smart thing. He listened to God, and he actually stored up tons of food. So in a moment of famine, the Israelites come to Egypt. They share it together. And yet what happens is they took that old saying, be fruitful, multiply, very seriously. And they grew and they grew. And there was almost 3 million Israelites at one point that the Pharaoh of Egypt was so concerned that they would overtake that he enslaved them. And so you know the story that they were enslaved for many years. Moses then rises up. And one of our central themes that parallels Jesus being our redemption in the New Testament, Moses is the deliverer in the Old Testament. So they flee. They come out of Egypt, and many of you know the stories. But then what happens is they wander. They wander for many years. They struggle with trust in God. They struggle with obedience. They honestly struggle with fear. God is continually telling them, like, take the land, take the land. But, but they don't. 
They're fearful. They're disobedient. Moses kind of, once in a while, he, he gets a little prideful. And for that reason, until what, like Moses dies, and now we find our, right here in this moment that Joshua is now the leader, him and Caleb, to take the promised land. More to come in a few weeks about that. And so we have this whole context. We have Joshua coming up, and God is saying, be strong. Be courageous. I go with you. Did you hear that promise? I think it's so easy for us to, to understand. Like, God's promise is so precise. Did you notice that? He says, I'm going to take you all to the Mediterranean Sea, and you have the Euphrates River. Like, he literally paints a picture. He says, remember what I told Moses? He didn't inherit it, but you will. Here is what I am giving you. This is my promise. This is what I want to hand to you. So be strong and courageous. And what does he say? Did you catch it, Coastline Church? I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And I believe that this is a forgotten promise. Like we know this, we we repeat it, we say it sometimes in prayers, but when we actually come face to face with our fears, we feel alone. We're uncertain. God, where were you in that moment? This is a forgotten promise. And I think our, this generation, our time right now, we're forgetting that God says, if I've promised it to you, I will bring it to you. He is not someone who holds, holds back on his promises. He's precise, he's profound. And if he, if he said, I'll bring you to it, then I will also bring you through it. I will make sure if there's a river in the way, I will part it. Is the Red Sea in the way, Moses? I will take care of it. I will deliver on my promises. It's who I am. This is who God is. He says, I'm not going to leave you hanging. This word forsaken Hebrew is literally to feel abandoned. I will not abandon you. You are not alone. You will never be abandoned. Friends, I understand that it feels like sometimes God is not around. But fear is not the absence of your Heavenly Father. Just because we see fear, we face fear, it doesn't mean God is not there. I think often we've, we've been called into the promises that God has for us. He's spoken over us. He's given us a plan. And we start walking towards it. We do. We start walking right into it. And then we come up against some hardship. We come up against some friction, some fears. And what do we do? This, shouldn't, this would not be the Lord. This can't be. Oh, I'm out. This isn't. No, this isn't the plans. This isn't what he told me would happen. I thought this would just be roses and rainbows, as my dad used to say, all the way through. Again, what did Jesus say? There will be trouble. And so the presence of fear or hardship doesn't mean that he's not there. In fact, I think sometimes it's a signal that life isn't perfect, that sin is real, that hardship will come. But my goodness, isn't it so much better to walk through the valley and reach the mountaintop with God? Isn't it so important that sometimes we actually do feel pain and see the hardship? Isn't that what it means to be fortified and purified in the Lord? And so we come up against fear and think, that can't be God. God's saying, I will go with you. I know what this looks like, but the challenges are nothing for me. Is my arm too short? Like, like, I want to walk and process and journey alongside of you through every fear, through every trial, because we will get to the triumph. I'm not abandoning you. Fear is not the absence of the Father. It's not. It's not. Fear is a reminder that we live, yeah, in a harsh world, that life isn't always easy, but there is blessing for those who continue on. There is reward. There is the promise that we can't let go of. Verse 7, it goes on, be strong and very courageous. I love that. Second time he's, he's given that command. 
So he's already said, be strong and courageous. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now he's saying, be strong and very courageous. I like that. I like that. Be careful to obey. This is important. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it right or left that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse eight, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So God starts with his promise. Here's what I'm going to give you. Here's what uh, I promised Moses. Here's what I'm calling you to, Joshua. Then he says, hey, be strong and courageous. Don't forget, I'm going to do this with you. I won't leave you for, nor forsake you. And then he gives you steps on how to be successful. Here's what I want you to do, practically speaking. Make sure not to forget this. If you really want to be prosperous in this time, here's what you need to do. I remember in high school, I had this one teacher and he was like, I think he just didn't want to have students failing. Like that must be a thing, right? Like it doesn't look probably great. If, I don't know. No job that teachers here, but he'd always be like, and so don't forget this thing and this piece. But then when he wanted you to know something, he'd always write it on this one side of the board and he'd just really slow down and he'd kind of point it. But this, Lucas, I, up here, but right here, this is something. And he'd be like circling it and the chalk is like running out. Don't forget the... And this point is extreme. Lucas, up here. I got that a lot. Study, studying was hard for me. And he'd really like point at it, you know? He'd really focus on it. And don't forget this. And sure enough, that day, next day in the test, the first thing, it's like, oh yeah, that's why he told me I should have written that down. That would have been smart, you know? <laughs> I really, he really was trying to help me. And I think this is kind of what God's saying. He's like, I mean, the promises are there for you. Be strong and courageous, I won't leave you. Hey, Joshua, up here, up here. Obey the law. Keep it close. Wherever you go, if you want to be successful, don't go right, don't go left. I've given you, I've given you this. Follow it. Obey it. Meditate on it. Keep it in your heart. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say, church? He's being very clear. If you want to be successful and prosperous, he says, obey the law. Keep the book, meditate on it. And what he's really saying is trust the word, learn the word, love the word, obey the word. Trust the word, learn the word, love the word, obey the word. I think we want to trust the word. I think sometimes we have questions, fears maybe. Friends, seek them out. This book has stood the test of time. I'm sorry, like... It has gone through so much textual criticism. It has, it has, for me, I always think when I doubt something, I question, I'm like, scholars and thinkers and philosophers have questioned this and come out still with, like, with great answers. I can trust the word. People so much smarter than me have questioned and come out with the answers they're looking for. I can trust the word. You can trust God's word for you today. Open up your Bible. If you have the Bible app, doubt, like whatever it is, this is good for you. You can trust it. He has a plan for you. He's speaking to you. If you're like, I don't know if I ever hear God. He's speaking to you. It's right here. We'll help you get one. Whatever it takes. I'm asking you to trust it. I believe you can trust it. I know you can trust it. Learn the word. I really mean, I think he's asking us to meditate, to memorize, to have scripture on our lips. So that when we come to a place where we face fear, we're not like, what am I going to do? But we can actually remember and say, Lucas, fear not, for I know the Lord God goes with me. So I can sit and say, I can, Lucas, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
take heart for he has overcome the world. I know there's trouble, but I know he goes with me. We gotta learn the word. I think he, he calls us to love it. And I think sometimes it's interesting, like these aren't just like, hey, go do this now, figure it out, love it. Like it takes time. There's a lot of things that I don't love to do that I learn to love because I have to put them in my life for different reasons. And I think sometimes we want to like engage in the word, but whether we find it confusing or difficult, but there are ways to love the word. And one of the best ways I know I learned to love the word was not studying it alone, was studying it with other people. Finally, he says, obey the word. Be careful to do everything. Follow it to a T. And I think we take a little, take, a, take some things, some things we maybe prioritize because of our background, whatever it is, more than others. Can I just encourage you? I don't want to spend too much more time on this point. You can trust this word. Learn and love the word of God. Learn to love the word of God. Obey the word. He hasn't said it for us just as like, I think it's a, some guiding values or principles. No, no. He's calling us to listen, to learn, and to follow. He's, he's very adamant. Once, one more time, I'll read this. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. I don't know if you can get much clearer. I just wonder if, um, I wonder if we, if we lived in such a way, if we lived in his word, would we live in fear? Like, would we live in fear if the word of God was what dictated our life? Would we feel trapped by and paralyzed by the things of this world if we knew and understood and inherently put in our hearts something that was greater? Man should not live on bread alone, but, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God, the Bible says. And I just wonder if we're trying to live so much in our own strength, trying so hard to overcome our own fears by our own strength, by our own bank accounts, by our own power, by our own abilities, and God is saying, you're missing a key piece. You wonder why fear creeps up. And I just wonder if we, just, if we could really engage this book. Uh, I was reading this week that there are 365 verses about not fearing, about not being afraid. And, uh, and I read from different commentaries, like, well, it's not quite that, but for sure there are 365 references for you and for me, one for every single day of the year, about not being afraid, about not fearing, about being encouraged, about not being dismayed, about understanding he is our rock, that he is our comfort, that he is our strength, that we do not travel into fear alone, but our God goes with us. A verse a day for you and me to understand, because we are called to not fear. Man, you seeing it? You're seeing how he set this up for you and me? And I just wonder if fear has been elevated because we maybe lack some knowledge here. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to get into it this week. Finally, verse 9, which is the end of our time here. It says this. This is a great verse. And so remember, he's, he's given this challenge twice now. Be strong and courageous, right? Laid out the promises. Then he said, be very strong and courageous. Obey the word. Learn the word. Trust the word. And then he says it one more time. Verse 9. Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Friends, I love this. If you have your own Bible today, highlight it, underline it. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times he gives that command and encouragement. Verse 6, 7, and 9. And I know this is for Joshua, Coastline Church, but I, I, don't, want to take, I don't want to take it out of context, but can you not see the impact 
that this verse can potentially have. And I know sometimes it comes on journals, and I know sometimes it comes on graduation gifts, but, but for good reason, I think. The loneliness epidemic of, of our culture today, the people who feel like they're fighting every battle alone, the person who has walked in here today alone, feeling lonely, who really has felt completely isolated, maybe even invisible, that we, like you've heard it a hundred times, but we're never been more connected, and yet we struggle so much together to see it together, to do life together, to be in community, to understand that God goes with you wherever you go. The sadness, the hardship when we face our fears, it's overwhelming, it's heavy, but God says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God, I love that he says it like this. He didn't just say for I, he said for your Lord, for your God, for your Savior, for the one who has created all, for the one who knows exactly where he's taking you, for the one who is like a lamp unto your feet, I'm going with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm going with you. You don't have to be dismayed or discouraged. I'm not abandoning you. You're not alone today. Church, you're not alone today. He goes with you. And there's no other, excuse me, look at that, eloquence. There's no elegant way I can say it. There's no perfect way I can like, I, I wish I could put it on a bumper sticker and put, and put it in your heart. But it's four words and it's true and it's real and it's honest and you need to hear it today. He goes with you. If he's called you to it, he's going, he's going to go with you. Yes, there will be trial. Yes, there will be hardship. He goes with you. You're not alone. I'm pastor, but my anxiety is way too large. Don't be afraid. You don't know my financial situation. I do not. God does. Do not be discouraged. If you're focused on fear, if your heart is continually focused on fear, you will be fearful. And I'm not asking you to believe that everything's going to be fine and perfect, but I am asking you to understand that fear is real, but he goes with you and you're not alone. As one quick story as we end, I, I recently, this last um, spring, we did Freedom Conference. And if you've never done the Freedom Material, joined a Freedom Group or done the conference or anything, you need to. It would be so good for your spiritual journey. I believe it could be your next step. And it'll come up in the new year. And we're really excited about that. And recently we were doing it and I was praying for people. I was on the prayer team and it was so life-giving. And I know for me, I, uh, we were doing the different sessions and there's certain ones that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, does that have... Because I'm, I'm serving, but I'm, you know, God's speaking to me. And, and then we did one on fear. And I instantly thought, that's, that's fine. I'll go do some work or I'll catch up on something. I'll, I'll go check to see if, if the kitchen needs help. I don't need to worry about that one. And out of nowhere, I just felt overwhelmed. Levi had just basically been born and I just was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with the idea. I got to raise two sons and a sweet daughter. And I was overwhelmed. I don't know what else. Fear just overcame me. And we can be so quick to be, I'll be fine. <clears throat> I'll, be, I'll be good. It's all, it's fine, right? And I was reminded, I don't, I'm not raising these alone. Like, they got the best mom in the world and they have the best God. A strong God. A loving Father. One who knows their whole life ahead of them. One who has every plan laid out. One who's going to be in every single moment. 
And I came and I received prayer and I found freedom and I felt I felt that, that fear just break in me. And can I encourage you to understand and to know that whatever you're looking at today, He is with you. And it might be the simplest thing you hear, but it might be the most powerful truth that changes the way you look at fear and destiny and purpose. And whatever you may be facing, you're not alone. Whatever you, wherever you have gotten that sense, I just want to believe that it's a lie and he wants to break it off of you. And as a believer, as a part of the family of God, you have the Christian community, this house, and you have the heavenly father who never leaves you. He does not abandon you. Man, that's the reminder today. That's the reminder today, friends. Let me just pray with you quick. And then I want to move into to, um, a communion. If you just close your eyes. God, we just pray right now. In this moment. Lord, I even pray right here that as people maybe are picturing their fears. We've talked a lot about it. Maybe they, are, they faced it on the way here or they face it tomorrow at work. I pray in Jesus' name that we would see you. We would see the cross. We would know with all of our hearts that you go with us. That every person here understands, God, there is a grace for us. That we do not have to be afraid. We do not have to be discouraged. That we can actually, by your grace and by your spirit, be strong and courageous facing our fears because we don't go alone. Jesus, for the person who is lonely, who feels trapped, God, I pray right now that you would break apart the fear that holds them back from receiving the fullness of God. That you would dwell within them right now. That peace would wash over them. That what, what was hopelessness would become hope. That was restlessness would become peace that they would continue on in the journey. They wouldn't run from the path of the promise you have for them, but they'd get right back on walking knowing you go with them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I want to transition now into a time of communion. Hopefully I have your cup. You got on the way in. You can grab that and prep it right now. If you don't have a cup, that's okay. There is some team. I see them. They're ready. And they're going to make their way down the aisle here. Just, just give them a little like finger up or a quick eye if you didn't get one. And they'll, have, they'll pass one to you. They'll, get, they'll grab one for you. We don't want you not to have this. Coastline Church, this is a sacred moment. We don't rush it. We don't run away from it. We want to honor God here. One of the few things he actually really, one of the few sacraments he really asks us to honor and to hold in high regard, and that's what we do. I do believe there is a, a connection here today for us. I do believe that communion for you can be a catalyst to understand that, yeah, he, as I pause and reflect on his sacrifice on the cross, I recognize that he died for me, that he is, he sees me. The Bible actually describes that we have a great high priest who can sympathize with everyone because he knows what we've all gone through because of the cross. So he goes with you and he understands your journey and pain because he died for you, because he brought grace for you, because the cross has the power to break every fear. Amen? And so we read the scriptures in 1 Corinthians. Paul writes this and he paints the picture and reminds them of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starting in verse 23 it says for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread 
And when he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so here in this moment, together we open up that top part and you can grab the wafer. And just pause. And know that he is with you. That he gives thanks. And we give thanks to you, God, here today. And he broke it in significance and in symbolism too what was going to happen to his body on the cross. So I encourage you to break the bread. And as we take, we remember what he did for you and for me. His body broken, sin bore for you and I. Let's take together. You can go ahead and open this up if you'd like. Verse 25, it says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he actually said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, in my blood, excuse me. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we have body, we have blood, we have a God who weeps, a God who bleeds. And we remember and we act and we pause and we reflect. We don't pause on our fear. We pause in faith, remembering his significant sacrifice on the cross, his bloodshed for you and for me, his grace alive for you and me. Let's remember, let's pause, and let's take together. Jesus' blood for you and me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you stand to your feet and allow me to pray over you one more time? Posture yourself, would you, in a way to receive this morning, however that means to you. But we are going to sing in a moment. Pastor Lisa and Pastor Andrew are going to come up in a moment, but please hear me. I understand there might be fears in this room, but remember what we just did. We paused and reflected on the power of the cross, on our Jesus, our Savior. And if our focus is on the cross, right, the author and perfecter of our faith, scorning and shame, the Bible says, fear and sin has no more power over me. But God's power rests in my life. Amen? It's God's power for me. So God, right now, one more time, we pray to you with hands open, hearts raised. God, we know there might be fearful things, but we do not tread into them fearfully because we go with you, Jesus. And as we reflect and remind ourselves of communion, as we've responded to the cross, as we understand what your word says in Joshua, God, we pray right now that we would be a people who collectively go into the week knowing our God is with us. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to be discouraged. God, you go with us hand in hand, walking through the, the trial with us, Jesus. That there is hope and life and faith to be had because our God is stronger. Our God fights our battles. Our God is with us. And we praise you because of it. Jesus, we love you and we honor you this morning. We, we could not do this without you. And so we won't. We will wait on you and we will walk with you in every single day. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's sing together.